When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Three Technique College Football Podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmies and the Joes. I'm Mitch Mason, joined by my two compatriots, Mr. Trey Reeves on the ones and twos. What's up, Trey? Nothing much, man. Our college football TV executive overlords decided to give us a break on the 4th of July. (laughs) So we had a nice 4th of July with no major news breaking um our house and our grass did not burn down in all the fireworks so counting our blessings over here that's right uh other other people had firework mishaps we did not um a guy who tell you what his his takes resemble fireworks at at times uh mr garrett turney also across the way garrett what's up Hey, what's going on? Now, uh, unfortunately, cannot tote the glories of Tarrant County on this one. We had way too many grass fires on this side of the Metroplex. <laughs> Things did not go well for our 4th of July over here. But we did have a nice time personally. Just the county itself did not do so well. <laughs> hate, hate to hear that. Um, well, guys, we, rough time. we have just a, a mountain of content to get to. Obviously, we you know, through uh, a, a little bit of a, of a discussion, Trey, you and I did of, of the ACC. Um, they're getting rid of divisions into the last episode. We had to release an emergency podcast as the Pac-12 is losing USC, UCLA. Uh, now the Big 12 might be poaching up to six Pac-12 schools. That's very much unconfirmed right now. We'll get into that and just all the ramifications that come with that uh, that news, but with Twitter in an absolute uproar, uh, uncertainties flying everywhere. Trey, it's got us on the pun- podcast wondering what comes next, and uh, that is going to be the theme for this episode. Shout out to Hamilton, uh, maybe the greatest musical of all time. Uh, Whoa! What what comes next, fellas? Um, so much that we know and love and has just been a constant in this sport has been completely uprooted over the last couple of days. And, and you know, to the point of, of many talk shows uh, around the country without any advanced warning. I, usually you hear, you know, maybe a rumor or two, a rumbling. When UCLA and USC left for the Big Ten, it, it happened in the span of like five hours where all of a sudden out of nowhere there was a report early in the morning and then by early afternoon everybody had picked up the story and it was okay like approval is imminent um 
So, you know, Garrett, we'll start with you. What comes next, man? Like, is is college football as we know it just kind of dead? Well, I mean, that's kind of what we talked about in the last episode was just the idea that this is going to probably end up resembling more of a, you know, AFC, NFC type of situation like we have in the NFL. And I think the consensus with us was we were pretty bummed about that. Um, Now that we've had, you know, several days to kind of wash that off and and sort of think about what this might end up becoming. I am a little bit more optimistic. Now, what this is going to take, I think, is a little bit more combining of the powers to give a third, possibly fourth option. Uh, But it sounds like that's kind of the direction we're going. I mean, obviously, we're about to get into this, but uh, it seems like the Big 12 might be in the best position to make a move uh, to kind of rival what the SEC and the Big 10 are doing. Um, now, as far as the numbering goes for Big 12 and Big 10, I don't really know if they're going to change their names. I mean, you know, the Big 12 doesn't have really a regional thing if we're talking Orlando to possibly what Seattle. I mean, that's not really a regional thing. Um, good for the frequent flyer miles, obviously, but not exactly. Uh, you know, you can't name your conference over a regional thing and American is already taken. Um, and so I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping at least that the Big 12 Uh, can make a little bit of a move to keep this interesting. And hopefully, you know, maybe the Big 12 and if it's the ACC coming in to grab a couple extra, you know, teams or or something else going on to let another option rise up. I'm hoping that we don't just end up with two big conferences. Yeah, I think our pod that came out on Saturday was just kind of a, or Friday, was just kind of a raw in-the-moment reaction to all this news. Like, we were even joking do we record a pod immediately? Mm-hmm. Is this just a rumor on Twitter? Yeah. And obviously it became clear very quickly that this was very real and this was going to change college football as we know it. Now, I think a few days just personally have given me a little bit of perspective on it. And I'm not quite as doom and gloom as I was on that podcast. I, I was pretty bummed on Correct. Friday. Um, when we recorded that podcast, oh, same here. yeah, and I, I, I'm not quite where I was in the moment. Now, make no mistake, I'm not Joel Klatt. I'm not going to go out and tweet that this is the best thing that's ever happened to college football, like a certain Fox <laughs> number one color analyst. Uh, that was horrendous. Yeah, just that was pretty bad. Toe in the company line there. Um, but yeah, I, I think there is a path forward, and I'm excited to talk with you guys tonight about what that might look like. Yeah, I tweeted that. Old clickbait clat needed to show his work on this best concept of all time. Cause you're right. Uh, that is straight from the mouth of the Fox executives. Copy and, and to be paste. clear, this is fantastic for Joel Clatt. This is fantastic for him. He's going to get such a pay jump with all this new money coming in. Fantastic for him. Maybe not as good for, uh, you know, college football or, the fans or, you know, any of those other people that don't matter that much. Details. I, I don't, Details. I, they don't care about them. <laughs> I don't, I don't slow. know who has worse takes on Twitter, Joel Klatt or Danny Cannell. Um, but they, they, Ooh, they battle each tough. other. They battle each other for, for very near the top in, in that Can sphere. I introduce you to Emmanuel Acho? Well, okay. I'm not, I'm oh, not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying worst takes on Twitter. I'm just saying between those two, I don't know which. Ah, is okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. Listen, all I'll say about that is the math doesn't add up on his takes either. Uh, <laughs> nope. So, all right, Trey, we as as we you know we sat down to to start planning this and just basically word salading everything that we know so far. Um, you know, we've talked about USC and UCLA moving from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten in 2024. 
multiple reports, namely from the athletics saying that the big 10 and the sec now want to expand to 20 plus members. We talked about that a little bit on Friday as well. What we didn't get to, I don't believe on Friday was the next revelation that Oregon and Washington were supposedly on deck to join the big 10, or at least they had said, Hey, please don't leave us out in the rain. We'd like to come too." Uh, since we recorded that episode, the Big Ten reportedly has told them no, which I think was a shock <laughs> to us considering that the Nike flagship school resides up in Eugene, Oregon. Yeah, Oregon especially was shocking to me. But when you when you sit back and think about it, it makes sense to give USC and UCLA a travel partner, especially for those non-football sports. You know, it's it would make sense to give a scheduling pod of the West Coast Big Ten teams, hypothetically, in baseball, basketball, softball, all those uh, non-revenue sports. It would make a lot of sense. But yeah, like you said, it, it was pretty clear and pretty public that Oregon and Washington were trying to finagle their way in there and were very open about that. And the Big Ten pretty openly shut that down relatively quickly. Now, the main reason that that's happening is basically all eyes are on South Bend, Indiana at this point. We are, as a college football universe, we are in a holding pattern waiting to see what Notre Dame does. They are the belt, like we said Friday, they're the bell of the ball in this situation. The SEC and the Big Ten would love to have them. Notre Dame, of course, prides themselves on being the highest profile football independent. Um, And they have a really good TV deal of their own. Um, sitting there with NBC. So yeah, we're all kind of in a holding pattern at this point, waiting on a couple of things. We need to see what Notre Dame is going to do. If they're going to make a jump to a conference for the first time ever outside of the COVID season or um, the other big domino that could fall is do Oregon and Washington just kind of get tired of waiting and say, we're going to preserve our own lives and not worry about um not worry about the Big Ten. Are we? Just, are they going to just trust yeah. in their own brands and say our brands are going to be big enough to carry whatever conference we're in, whether that's staying in the Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever we're calling it now, or moving to another conference like the Big 12? Right. And well, I mean, I, the thing I don't get entirely is why would the Big Ten not want to grab Oregon and Washington to validate the status of the conference to maybe make a swing at Notre Dame? Right. Why would you not want to try to bring in more teams and say the competition level is going to be higher? I mean, unless you think that that's going to scare Notre Dame away. But I mean, I don't think that's the attitude in South Bend. I don't think that the attitude is, oh, you added Oregon and Washington. Well, now that's too much. I don't want to compete with that. You know, let me go to the SEC instead. Right. Like that doesn't sound right. That doesn't feel right to me. And so to me, I I don't totally get the logic behind not adding them. Is it is it a revenue split thing? Is it? Because I would think even if it's a revenue splitting issue, you have more on the table if you're bringing, especially Oregon, into your conference. That's a lot more in TV revenue you can contract uh, and try to you know negotiate for with whatever contract you end up getting. It doesn't totally make sense to me as to why they would go that direction. Now, I'm not the decision maker, obviously, um, and so I, I'm going to trust that they know what they're doing maybe, but... Um, no, it's just, it's a little confusing to me initially as to why they wouldn't want to take those schools. The only thing that I can think of off the top of my head is that USC and UCLA, I don't know if they have Fox contracts, but typically their football games are on Fox. Oregon and Washington's games are typically on ESPN. And it's, I mean, not, not an unknown fact that 
the ESPN broadcasts, especially for Oregon football, have been brutal. Like sometimes struggling to broadcast in 480p. Um, so it, it's been weird. The Pac-12 network has been an absolute dumpster fire. So I don't I don't know if that factors in quite yet. But the TV networks, as we established on Friday, they're kind of running this bad boy. Um, as much as yeah. the conferences won't admit it, um, you know, ESPN has been. Uh, served with cease and desist letters by by schools and by con or not conferences but by schools and been accused of manipulating conferences to go raid conferences for teams and uh you know it's always a, a big part of the discussion as the media rights get more and more valuable so you know again i don't know if that's the answer right now but just certainly at the top of my head yeah i don't think uh, there's nothing contractually, as far as I know, that puts Oregon on ESPN or ABC and USC. I think that's just kind of luck of the draw in the way that the Pac-12 has their media rights structured. But you're absolutely right that it is the TV companies. And the reason that Oregon and Washington are not in the Big Ten is because Fox hasn't signed off on it. They 100% would rather go after they think that they've locked down the West Coast, I think, at this point with USC and UCLA. and fox's mind we can debate whether or not that's true i think right, the most yeah. passionate fan bases just from a care about football standpoint in the pac-12 are 100 percent oregon and washington are if they're not the top two they're in the top three or four i think you can make an argument for utah or maybe um usc when they're good but consistent right, right. care about football factor it's oregon and washington um two amazing atmospheres so but Fox at this point, I don't think believes that they carry the TV eyeballs. And even with Nike on board at Oregon, they don't carry the brand appeal that a Notre Dame would, or even I think rumored North Carolina, or maybe dipping down into Florida or getting a different section of the country to be quote unquote, big 10 country. Sure. Sure. I mean, that makes sense to me, I guess. That's kind of my question, though, is if you're not grabbing them, who are you grabbing? And that might be the next thing to figure out. But, you know, I'm assuming if they're going to the, you know, we want to go to 20 team mega conference, if that's the goal, if not Oregon and Washington, then, I mean, are you looking at the ACC as well? I mean, obviously, we know Notre Dame's the target here, but, you know, I mean, are you looking at Clemson? Are you looking at, you know, what, Duke for basketball, maybe? Like, what are you looking at if you're, you know, the Big Ten in this situation? I think all of this, uh, maybe basketball is is somewhere in the equation, but I mean, any anyone saying that, you know, the rest of the sports are being considered when these moves are being made, it, it, you know, I mean, they're just wrong. This is a football move. I think basketball could have some sort of an impact. Um, you know, we, we heard that Kansas was, was maybe thinking about going independent uh, for football and then joining the Big East for basketball. Um, but you know, guys, the name of the game for a lot of these schools is, is just survive, right? I mean, so many of these schools, Washington state, Oregon state, they're losing their home. Uh, you know, these are not athletic departments that bring in a ton of revenue that have extremely successful, you know, big time sports. I know Oregon state has, you know, been really, really good, uh, in college baseball, but that's not a revenue generator. You know, mm -hmm. programs lose money hand over fist when it comes to, to sports like baseball. And so, you know, it, it really makes, you know, me and I know the national pundits really, really concerned about 
where some of these universities go, how they survive. You know, I, I guess we can get to it now. Uh, Trey, if you want to go ahead and play that sound again, the Pac-12 is in some serious danger right now. What comes next? I, I mean, if you're George Klyovkov. Uh, Great job on that pronunciation. I dude, saw I, that I, in print the and I was not wanting to say that name. Tell you what, I almost <laughs> tripped over myself there. Um, if, if, if you're the Pac-12 leadership, it is full battle stations right now. Like You are hitting the panic button. Um, they just they just announced. Okay, now we're gonna actually look look at our media rights agreement again. We're gonna we're gonna redo that. As I mentioned earlier, the Pac-12 network has been it's a little late, George. Brutal, just just brutal. Um, but I mean, guys, with the Big Twelve potentially getting ready to raid, you know, up to six teams from the West Coast, Colorado uh, suddenly gonna rejoin the Big Twelve. Maybe is the Pac-12 on the edge of extinction here? I, I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, so yeah, in the last week since this has happened, the conference, I think they call them the CEOs in the Pac-12, but it's basically just the university presidents yeah. have authorized Old George to uh, both renegotiate the rights packages, the media rights packages, and pursue expansion options, but Guys, who would jump into the Pac-12 at this point? I don't think, I mean, maybe a Mountain West school, maybe a Boise State jumps at that opportunity, maybe a San Diego State. I don't think, the the discussion has kind of been layered around, at least in the national media, is who's going to poach who? Is it going to be Big 12 poaching Pac-12 or vice versa? I, I don't see any way that a Big 12 school right now they're not a super conference, but they're sitting really nice with 12 teams. And we've talked on this podcast about how fun that new league seems to be, at least from a football standpoint, and also really, really good at basketball still. What what team in the, that Big 12 would make that jump to, to the Pac-12? I, I don't think any of them would. So yeah. all these conversations about the Pac-12 being able to poach teams or having a position of power, I just I just don't see that. Yeah, I mean, their only options, like you were saying, you know, maybe a Boise, San Diego. I think you could maybe see Fresno. But they're not going to move the needle in a TV rights right, that's not. And I think that's what I'm saying is they're not getting enough traction to actually get this thing off the ground for the Pac-12. You know, and who cares if you call, you know, let's say that you get Fresno to jump on, go call Hawaii, see if they'll, you know, do it. Like, that's fine, cool, but that's not going to stop – you know, schools like Utah, Colorado, the Arizona schools, that's not going to stop them from jumping to the Big 12. Even if, you know, you say Oregon and Washington are part of that deal, which a lot of people are saying that that's part of it and they're trying to grab them too. But let's just say you only get the four down south. That's still a really solid 16-team conference once Texas and Oklahoma leaves. That's something that a lot of people would watch. And, I mean, especially with Utah jumping up, everyone knows how big a fan I am of Utah right now. But, you know, Arizona, Arizona State, like they – still have what they can to, They're, you know, still be good pro. Like they have the potential there. Right. They have, they have enough of a party school atmosphere to bring in tickets sure. at the very least, uh, or alcohol sales or something. But, um, you know, you, you have, you know, revenue streams, you have possibilities, eyeballs and things like that, that you can bring in from those schools, even if you don't have Oregon or Washington as a part of that deal. And so I think, yeah, we're, I think we're pretty much circling this is that the big 12 has been a lot stronger in terms of you know what it's done, uh, being aggressive to go after some of these schools 
initially. And if these reports are true, and I've seen schools kind of back off of that and say they're still committed to the Pac-12. Which they have they're to. Still gonna stay. They have and to say Of that. course, they Colorado have to. Colorado said that today, that they were committed they to the Pac-12. And they did. And as far as reports go, they're yeah. the ones kind of leading the charge to get back into the Big 12. <laughs> right. But, you know, even if they're saying that, like, you know, they have enough of a, you know, money deal or if it's, you know, clear that the Pac-12 is sinking, you can see these schools bolt. And the Pac-12, as we know, it is pretty much gone. I mean, it's not a Power 5 conference anymore, for sure. So, yeah. And the Conference of Champions. Yeah. But (laughs) shout out to the Big 12. You talk about a league that's been on life support at times since 2010. And they've just kind of weathered the storm, put their heads down and. Obviously, they add the four teams that are joining next year in BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF, and kind of the cream of the crop of the group of five. They add them in, and now they're sitting pretty. Like I, I think, like you said, a Big Twelve or whatever they would call that at that point. I think you'd probably drop the Big Twelve brand if you bring in these four to six schools from the Pac-12. But you talk about the twelve schools that they currently have plus. Oregon, Washington, the Arizona schools, Utah, and Colorado, that is a heck of a conference. That is probably easily third place behind the SEC and Big Ten and pretty much where the Big 12 is now with their 10 teams in in this new college football alignment situation. So I think personally that's what I'm rooting for. I think that gives us the best chance at interesting football that matters in more than just two conferences if there's sort of a merger there's gonna be a there's gonna have to be a lot of schools and individuals that swallow their pride though um i know there's a lot of connections to at colorado and the arizona schools and even to some lesser extent at oregon there's a lot of connection to california and lots of californians go to all of those schools um uh, just because it's a big state and there's a lot of kids that need to find colleges every year. So a lot of them do have to go out of state to those schools and culturally they're going to be drawn to try to salvage the PAC 12, I think, but I think it's beyond salvaging. I don't think that there's anything you can do to resurrect it at this point. Hey, California's big 10 country now. So whatever culturally that was, yeah. this is this is big 10 country down there in Southern California. So yeah, we don't care about geography or culture really anymore in building these conferences it's you know we're gonna have the californians go into the middle of the cornfield in nebraska when you say the heartland i think los angeles that's what i think i picture the rose bowl with the san San bernardino mountains (laughs) the sun setting over the pacific ocean that is america's heartland exactly Garrett's playing a good soldier over here to the propaganda machine that is the Big Ten. Um, shout out to to Brett Yormark, the new boss of the Big Twelve, the new commissioner uh, coming over from Rock Nation, formerly the COO there. He was not supposed to start work until August the first, uh, but with you know college football's version of World War Three on the horizon, he jumped in basically a month early, got on Zoom with all the uh, all the presidents of the Big Twelve schools. And apparently has laid out a roadmap for instant success. And and interestingly enough, that's what Klyovkov could have done last year when Texas and OU announced that they were leaving for the SEC. This literally the exact same scenario, some of the same dominoes were tipped over this time last year when Texas and OU said, we'll see ya. 
we're going to the greener pastures of the SEC. But instead of poaching Big 12 schools like Texas Tech, like Oklahoma State, and kind of eradicating the Big 12, Pac-12 took their foot off the gas. And Klyovkov said, no, we're going to stay regional. We, you know, we're not interested in doing that. The Big 12 is not being so merciful this time around. And I think it, it may result in the extinction of, uh, of the Conference of Champions. To that point, though, even last year, the Big 12 decided to take action last year in that you know realignment fiasco right. with Texas and Oklahoma. They right. saw their teams walk out the door, and it wasn't, oh, okay, let's maybe figure this out and talk about our TV rights. It was, hey, let's call around, get back to 12 teams, and let's find you know four more teams that we think are going to be fun and good and bring in revenue and whatever else. And they went and took action last year as well. And so they've done a much better job. You know, that conference as a whole has done a much better job, whether it was Bullsby or Yormark now, like doing what they need to do to stay alive and a jockey for position. And I think they're not just in like an okay position as a distant third place. I think this conference has a lot of traction here, especially if they pick up these Pac-12 teams to rival for that super conference thing. They might have some sway in getting some of those ACC teams to jump on, maybe not top tier teams, but they might have some sway to keep it from just being the two guys in the big boy club. Well, and the Pac-12 schools, if they make the jump to the Big 12, it solves the problem that was really slowly killing the Pac-12, and that's everybody being consolidated into the Pacific time zone, right? That TV execs have talked for years about how that's the Pac-12's biggest problem. We have to put all their games on uh, at... We, we can't start a Pac-12 game at noon Eastern, right? Because it's 9 no. a.m. on the West Coast. We can't uh, we can't start one. It's hard to even start one at 2.30 or 3 o'clock Eastern because it's still very early on the West Coast. And so there's only so many network time slots that uh, can fit on primetime, right? There's only so many networks that are showing primetime games. And quite frankly, if you're going to show a primetime game over the last 10 years, the odds that it's involving two Pac-12 teams are extremely low because it's just a vicious cycle that has made the Pac-12 where it is today. So moving more team, moving, it would literally stretch coast to coast with um, UCF and Cincinnati. Cincinnati, I believe, too, is in the Eastern time zone. So you'd have um, opportunity to schedule conference games all across the different mm-hmm. time slots on those networks. So it makes a lot of sense. It makes way more sense to me than maybe the top four of Tech, Baylor, TCU, and Oklahoma State moving west. Right, for sure. Well, so Trey, you said off the top that you weren't as doom and gloom about all of this as we had been uh, the last time we recorded an episode on this. So, you know, we're, we're 25 minutes into this. What's, what's the case for the glass half full uh, as opposed to kind of the tune that we were singing just a couple of days ago. Well, so here's the optimism on King George's old adage. What comes next? So we look at the college football playoff. It's obviously coming up to the end of a contract after the 2025 season is when this thing is going to blow up. There is no guarantee of anything after 2025. There, it, like the 2026 season, there is no playoff schedule. There is no agreement with the Bulls. There is no format that has been agreed to by anybody past 2025. So this thing could look completely different 
it will look completely different than it does today. There odds that it's still a four team playoff with four at large spots. Um, pretty much zero. There's no chance. I'm willing to bet a lot of money that there's no chance that that is the case post 2025. So the way that we can still salvage this, and I do think that this is still a lot up in the air, depends on how many more teams make the jump to these two super conferences. It depends on how many uh, can teams get out of the ACC. I think that's another wrinkle we haven't talked about yet. The ACC is kind of held together by a contract right now that runs through 2036, I oh, think. It's a brutal, brutal it contract. It is a long time, but there are lawyers at every single one of those big schools looking to see if they can break that agreement as we speak. So it, so many moving parts. It's hard to, it's hard to tell what's going to happen tomorrow, much less for the 2026 season. But hypothetically, guys, if we had a playoff that had – I'll say 12 teams because that's where the negotiations were the last time that we let off. If we have 12 teams and there's, you know, an auto bid and a buy for the four highest conference champions, which I don't think that I think that part probably gets scrapped. But if there's four or five auto bids in that 12 team playoff, we all of a sudden have meaningful college football again all over the country. It's just like the NCAA basketball tournament. Me personally, one of my favorite parts of the NCAA basketball season is those smaller conference conference tournaments the week sure. before the oh, NCAA yeah. tournament where they're all kind of fighting for one bid, but everybody has a shot to make it to the big show. And I think that's what college football has kind of been missing. It's kind of been this unspoken uh, haves and have nots, maybe not even unspoken. It's pretty obvious until Cincinnati yeah. crashed the party this year that there's not even a path for a large portion of the top division of college football. So I think maybe if we can possibly get to a situation where I used to be very anti auto bid, you know, my sec bias was showing as a fan of an sec program. I wanted it to be full capitalism, right? Like the 12 best teams are off in the sec. Then we have a 12 team sec playoff. Right. But now that we're moving towards these super conferences, I find myself rooting more and more for the idea of auto bids and figuring out a situation where that new Big 12, Pac-12 merger, everybody's playing that conference championship matters because it's for a spot in the big dance. It's for a spot in that 12-team playoff. So I do think we have a lot, a long ways to go before we can say that we're ready, but it just makes sense to me. I don't think you can eliminate 75% of the fan bases at the top level and just say, you're not playing for anything anymore. You're not playing for anything meaningful and expect college football to still make all the money that it does. I just don't think you have to have that connection. Like a Texas Tech fan that's team, whose team is not really, really in it is not going to be interested in watching Georgia versus Oklahoma, right? And uh, an Oregon fan whose team doesn't have a path to get into the show is not going to be interested in watching Ohio State, USC. That's a whole section of the country. That's 75% of college football fans that you're just eliminating if you tell them that their team has no shot. I don't think that makes sense. I think that we'll work out a way to get involvement, but it's going to take, again, a lot of people setting their egos aside. It's a good point. That's a, It's a very good point. I, I do like that take i think uh you know 
for one, uh, did not know that Trey was a fan of, of total anarchy, but it sounds like he is. Um, but, <laughs> no, I, I think you get the idea of bid thieves. You get like, like right. that there's things mm-hmm. that I, I personally love about college basketball and college baseball, sure. just monitoring those conference tournaments, watching for bid thieves. We can have that in college football too. And I think that right. adds a new wrinkle that we haven't really had. Well, I mean, Ole Miss, who just won the national championship in college baseball, some would call them a bid thief, right? They were supposedly the last team in. Um, they go through the Coral Gables regional undefeated, take out in-state rival Southern Miss, and then you know just waltz their way to a, to a national championship. So, yeah, it, I think football is a, maybe a little bit different than basketball or baseball. We haven't ever really seen, at least not at the top level of competition, um, you know, kind of a, a comparable metric to college basketball or college baseball, um, just because those that amount of games doesn't get played at, at the, the D1, uh, you know, FBS level at the very least. But I agree. I think that is probably the best case scenario. And it, it keeps all as many possible fan bases engaged um, as you can, right? Because otherwise, if if everything kind of stays stock to what we think it's going to, and if they keep a four team playoff, you know, there was a guy, uh, Chris Childers, who who hosts one of the most popular Sirius XM college football shows. He was talking the other day about how he like doesn't like college football anymore because he thinks it's gotten stale and boring and. I certainly understand that sentiment. I think it's a little sensationalized, that take. But the the root of it is we do kind of have the same thing year in, year out, at least when it comes to the postseason, right? Like the regular season for us, I think, is a ton of fun because we, yes, have our team that we root for, but, but we also just enjoy the sport. So we enjoy watching games from, you know, sun up to sundown uh, to, to catch all the storylines and to catch all the best moments. But when it comes to the postseason, there's really only like, what, five or six teams every year that compete for a national championship. If you expand the playoff and as you build, you know, these super conferences, if there's a seeding element to it, I think that's probably what what brings a little bit more juice to the college football playoff. So, you know, I'm not maybe as optimistic i wouldn't term you know kind of how i feel is optimism but i do think that's maybe probably well maybe probably i think that's the best case scenario (laughs) going forward garrett uh would love your take here as well well and something that i've been thinking about while we're talking about the playoff that would buy me back as a fan would be give me some of those games in an expanded playoff on campus yeah all right give me some of those games on campus you know, I don't care about, you know, 50 bowl games. Uh, you know, there's a few of them that are fun to watch every year. And Speak it seems for like yourself, the Bahamas Bowl okay, is well. amazing, <laughs> sir. Okay, I'm so sorry for all the Bahamas Bowl fans. You know, there are dozens of them. The Gasparilla Bowl. Um, and I am, right I am just, yes, I'm incredibly <laughs> offensive on this. Email us, 3techpod.com. Anyways, um, but, you know, give me some of those games on campus, right? Give me, if we're going to expand it, and let's say you get a Penn State in, can you guys imagine a Penn State whiteout for a playoff game? That would be something that as fans, like, we would love to see that. Even, you know, the casual, you know, I went there, but maybe I'm not as engaged. You know, you get a playoff bid, and all of a sudden we're talking a playoff game. You know, we're talking, you know, a lot more hype, you know, championship aspirations. Like, there's this different atmosphere for playoff games just 
across the board when you're talking about a home stadium. And that's the thing I wish we had. You know, think about if you're a team that goes on a good run through the season, they have a really good season, and they just barely come up short. They want to feel good about their season, but they're not in championship contention. So I'll see you in a New Year's Six Bowl, maybe a Florida Bowl, and we call it quits, right? You can feel good about that, but those games aren't played on campus. Those bowl games are somewhere else. And so it's really just, you know, do you have enough money to travel to that bowl game if you want to go support your team in the biggest game after the season's basically over, right? So why don't we just give the playoff games on campus a shot as long as we're talking about expanding to 12 or 16, right? That would be interesting to me. I think that's one thing that if we're going to make this comparison to the NFL, if we're going AFC, NFC, do what they do, right? Home team, highest ranked seed, they get that game on their campus and then we'll see you for a neutral site. Right. We'll see you at some neutral site stadium and and we'll do that. Right. I don't have an issue with that personally. Yeah, I think in a perfect world for me, at least it's on campus until there's only four teams left. However many game, however many teams you add to the playoff, it's on campus. Then you can do the bowl rotation if you want. I think the thing that I'm kind of just grinning and giggling at a little bit is the Rose Bowl is <laughs> one of the main reasons that we don't have those playoff games on campus already because mm-hmm. they just kind of have this inflated self sense of self-importance. They're the granddaddy of them all. And we can have the mystique, <laughs> like supposedly the guys that have I've read that have ne- been in these negotiations, the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl guys are really difficult to deal with. Maybe don't think <laughs> something that comes out of your butt doesn't stink. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're kind of the Rose Bowl. What's, their bargaining chip now other than being in a cool stadium that you can see some mountains like their whole bargaining chip was it's the best of the big 10 versus the best of the pac 12 and they kind of hijacked the playoff schedule because they were so adamant that they had to be at 4 p.m or 5 p.m eastern on new year's day that is when the rose bowl is played and we couldn't have playoff games we had to shuffle them completely around we had to have them on new year's eve where no one was watching just so the Rose Bowl that didn't matter that year could be played at their traditional time slot. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. giggling from afar at the hubris being brought down a peg or two. But yeah, I mean, I, I joke about needing those bowl games like the Gasparilla Bowl and the Birmingham Bowl. It's mostly, I, they're 100% just TV entertainment. Shows. Yeah, and they get right, good ratings sure. because there's nothing else on. And college football fans love watching college football especially when there's no competition from other games or other sports so i love that i can turn the tv on on a tuesday at 11 a.m in december and reach yeah it's two six and six (laughs) teams are just playing miserable football but it's football why the heck not (laughs) yeah exactly so i do think there's a place for the bowls still i think that consolation prize is still nice it does give teams extra practices that coaches really appreciate so yeah there's a way to work that in too. Well, okay. So you're not, I, I mean, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. Are you anti Rose bowl? Are, are you okay? If the Rose bowl just kind of stops being played. I'm okay. If the Rose bowl doesn't like, I, I don't grow up rooting for a big 10 team that dreamed of playing in the Rose bowl at the end of their season. So that's a good point for me personally. Yeah. Like it's always just been another game unless it has, direct national championship implications if it's been like obviously it was in the bcs rotation we have one of the greatest games of all time with usc and texas being at the rose bowl that's awesome right but 
I don't know. Like it to me, I've always just kind of, I mean, it, it's a lead into the sugar bowl as well. Like I, do I care that the sugar bowl is always on new year's Eve? No, I, I honestly yeah. don't or new year's day. I honestly don't. And so I know a lot of people that are older than me would really disagree with that because it's the granddaddy of them all. And we have to have the Rose bowl, but I'm not anti Rose bowl. I just don't think that we need to all bow down to it so they can have their precious time sure. slot. I think a lot of the Rose Bowl itself is sort of the pomp and everything around the game. You know, they have like the parade and everything else that goes on around it. I think that's a lot more what people are talking about when they talk about the event, just having it flow nicely, right? And that's why they want it at the same time slot. That messes up the rest of college football, obviously. Uh, and, you know, so sorry if, you know, the Rose Bowl, you know, granddaddy's taking a back seat for a second. Like that's, you know, I'm so sorry if that's going to have to happen. Um, but you know, if this is what it means, I think a lot of college football fans would take it, you know, take, you know, a Michigan or an Ohio state, right. One of those big 10 powers. If you gave them the option between we're going to play this game in the Rose bowl, or we're going to put this thing in Ann Arbor or Columbus, I think most of them would say, give me the home game so we can actually go to our stadium where we know and have the home field advantage and get that atmosphere back. Right. I think most fans of most teams would want to take that. Right. Uh, I might be totally wrong, but that's just that's what I'd prefer personally. Well, if the Rose Bowl is going to stay relevant, they're going to have to at least change something because obviously one of their automatic tie-ins is probably dead to rights. So they're going to have to <laughs> right. they're going to have to get off their high horse a little bit and either negotiate a tie-in with this new conference that could be forming or. Um, be an at-large slot or be uh, willing to sit down at the negotiation table from a much more humble position if they want to be part of the the big show. Because I'm not against them being part of the semifinal rotation. I think I think playing a semifinal game at the Rose Bowl is awesome. It's an amazing venue. It having a big game that means something on that stage is I'm I'm a hundred percent behind that. But I don't think we all need to bow down to the Rose Bowl for scheduling purposes anymore well that uh last rose bowl in the playoff rotation that we had oklahoma georgia was obviously one for the ages you miss uh, mentioned texas usc i'm pro rose bowl because i just feel like you know it's given us some awesome games in the past uh now obviously a lot of that was centered around the regional historical setup right big 10 versus pac 12 well pac 10 then now pac 12 um, and that's gone. That is forever changed because USC, the next time they set foot in the Rose Bowl, if they were to make it there, would be probably as a member of, of the Big Ten Conference. Um, you know, at, at least according to my timeline, I don't think they're going to be all that good this year anyway. Uh, <laughs> so that's going to have to change. I'd, I like where the Rose Bowl sits right now on New Year's Day. I mean, yes, listen, does, does the hierarchy of the Rose Bowl rub a lot of people the wrong way. Yes. Have they been stuck in the past for far too long? Also? Yes. Uh, you also mentioned another good point that we haven't mentioned yet, just cause we haven't had reason to the fact that the, the semifinal games are on new year's Eve, maybe the worst decision in postseason history. It's you because of the Rose bowl. Them. It's because of the Rose bowl. That's well, the reason that they're there. I listen, pick a different day. Why, why, why do we have to play it on New Year's or New Year's Eve anyway? Like, why can't we figure out a different day to play it on? But to your point, like, I, I don't, 
I, I went to a household that didn't didn't really have the game on. I mean, it was sort of on on New Year's Eve, the Georgia um, Michigan game, and clearly I didn't really miss anything, but I didn't get to watch it because it wasn't a priority at the party that I was at. So, you know, I, I just I get it sort of that hey, oh, New Year's Eve is is playoff time in college football, but at the same time, like, dude, you know, you want your diehards to be able to watch watch a game and actually dive into it let's let's figure out a different day but uh that's well and if we just one more thing on the playoff if i could real quick if you expand it to 12 you can spread it out a little bit just imagine you know we could do it um we could either put it if we don't want to go too far you don't want to go too far into january because then you're competing with the nfl playoffs and i think the nfl playoffs absolutely went out in that situation but you could team up uh army navy with a triple header of playoff uh, playoff games. You could That'd be a lot of fun. play one on a Friday night right after conference championship weekend. There's so many options. I think, you know, we, we just handcuff ourselves in the situation right now. And right. what I'm optimistic and hopeful about is if everyone has a seat at the table in these future situations, then there's, the possibilities are endless. And it means so many more teams are playing for something meaningful deep into November and December. Well, so one thing we haven't really mentioned in, in all of this discussion, I guess we sort of alluded to it off the top with the talk about the mega conference, you know, the big 10 has reportedly declined to invite Oregon and Washington. The other major conference that kicked all this off was the sec. And so maybe, you know, the last thing that we can get to here in this episode, where do we think the sec goes from here, there's a lot of rumors swirling around that the SEC may be considering, you know, some more regional additions just because that part of the country is so rich with competitive college football programs. You know, teams like Florida State, Clemson, Miami, the Virginia schools. Uh, could could they even go, you know, to North Carolina to, to pluck NC State or, or UNC? Where do we think the SEC goes from here? I think the obvious and sort of the thing that I've been seeing the most around that makes sense to me is Miami. Um, I've, I've seen enough in terms of, and I saw something on Twitter today. I can't remember exactly who it was, but it said something around Miami being a team that was willing to get out and move to the SEC and they'd figure out the details in court. Um, yep. And I just thought that was a very interesting quote for that. That's um, a very but, SEC you know, think, mindset. <laughs> Hey, and look, if you're going to talk about an SEC fan base and stuff like that, you can go straight to their collective. But, uh, you know, I think Miami fits pretty well. I mean, is there a team more southeastern than Miami? That's, that's about as southeast as you can get. Good point. Um, and, and I think they'd be a good addition. And, you know, I think obviously the previous assumption with the conference is out the window that you wouldn't be adding a team from the same state. That's, you know, pretty much gone at this point. And so, yeah, why not grab a Miami or, or – you know, Florida State. I think Clemson would be a fantastic addition, except I don't know that Clemson will be as easy a get as maybe a Miami or a Florida State. I think the Big Ten will have a lot of say in where Clemson goes as well. Um, and I do think you have to look at where Notre Dame ends up to figure out Clemson as well. So um, definitely interested to see where they go there, but I think Miami is your obvious first choice. I think there will be it really depends on how high they want to go. If this ends up being a 24 team conference, obviously there's a lot more options, but right. I, I think you do get at least one of those Florida schools, Florida state or Miami. I do think 
I'm of the opinion that the Big Ten is going to try to dip into Florida. I think Florida is oh a massive a market. Take. Say that again, Mitch. I said, oh my goodness, that's a take. I, I think the Big Ten tries to get dip into Florida. I really don't think... I really think Fox feels like they have the West Coast locked down with USC and UCLA. Now, we can debate whether or not that that's true. Um, we got into that a little bit earlier. I yep. think that the Big Ten truly wants to be a brand that's in every corner of the country. I think one of those schools, Florida State or Miami, will go to the SEC. The other one will go to uh, the Big Ten. Um, Notre Dame, what if Notre Dame decides that the SEC is more attractive? I think no one's really talking about that, but I think that's on the table too. Now, I think the natural fit is the Big Ten, but sure. I, I heard Andy Staples uh, talking about this with, the athletics Notre Dame beat writer today. Um, if you're Notre Dame and you go to the big 10, you're kind of just another Midwestern power, right? You're not, uh, there's, you lose kind of the mystique of what sets you apart in that region with the teams that you're recruiting against. If you go to the sec, you now have something different to author that offered that Ohio state and Michigan and Wisconsin and all of those schools don't. So do I think they eventually end up in the Big Ten? Yeah, I do. But just something to think about if you're a Notre Dame administrator. I think the interesting battles, though, between the SEC and Big, Tw uh, Big Ten are going to be in North Carolina and Virginia. Those schools there, both Virginia and Virginia Tech, and then all three of the big uh, North Carolina schools, UNC, NC State, and Duke, mostly for basketball, both conferences, I think, are going to be after all five of those teams. That's a good take. I, I hadn't considered that, uh, that Notre Dame might be able to set themselves apart regionally. Can you imagine if, so say that the Big Ten isn't able to dip into Florida for whatever reason, and Miami and Florida State both join the SEC. You think Florida's down bad now? Can you imagine Oof. if Miami and Florida State pull up to the same block? I mean, the Gators might never recover. Garrett would lose his only recruiting pitch, so that would be <laughs> devastating. Hey, man, all of this happened after we did that episode, <laughs> so I don't want to hear it. I still haven't heard a response for Gaius Apaleus Diocles, but that's not necessarily... Neither here relevant. nor no, there. I, neither here nor there. It's been, what, 2,000 years? Um, but no, I mean, that's... Yeah, that would be interesting to see Florida State or Miami or possibly both come in. I think you could see a hard time for the Gators becoming possibly third in the pecking order between, you know, what Cristobal's doing and then obviously Florida State hopefully figuring out some of that uh, recipe down there. So, yeah, interesting to see. I kind of glossed over it earlier, but this ACC grant of rights for television revenue is going to be fascinating to follow because – it, it, it lasts so long. Um, it includes the ACC network that ESPN's heavily invested in. Mm -hmm. And it, it's going to be lagging behind severely from these two super conferences. And probably, yeah, I mean, and it's probably going to be lagging significantly behind this Big 12 Pac-12 merger that we're talking about when that new hypothetical conference negotiates rights mm -hmm. they're going to make a lot more money per school i think i saw you know in the neighborhood of it i think when they were looking at it for oregon and washington they were talking like in the 35 to 40 million a year which isn't bad i mean it's not going to be what the sec and big 10 are making but it's definitely more than the acc is making so 
that's going to be fascinating to follow. Like I said earlier, there's lawyers at all of these big schools desperately looking to see if there's a loophole that they can get out of. But yeah, we'll see. I think the ACC desperately is going to try to hold together and try to make sure that those teams stay because there's not a lot else to offer for those other schools that would be left over. Well, there always seems to be some sort of kill switch. And Garrett, I mean, you you quoted the Twitter report earlier that, you know, whichever whichever team, whichever school was quoted, it's just saying, hey, we're going to make a move and we'll sort it out in court later. Um, that's why these lawyers get paid just the stupidest amounts of money to twist words and, you know, manipulate intentions. I have mm-hmm. no doubt that that will happen. Plus, with ESPN, you know, as the backbone of the ACC network, I'm sure there's going to be some sort of agreement uh, or, you know, there's got to be some way to orchestrate an agreement to to kind of reset things. Because you're right. I mean, that's honestly one of the bigger stories is not necessarily the schools themselves realigning, but what on earth do you do with this gigantic media rights deal that yeah like you know trey you're saying it's gonna it's gonna fall behind by you know 10 11 years if it gets seen to its conclusion and you know just for the record that that for sure will be the final media rights deal that is ever done in major sports history that's anywhere close to that length right i mean these are going to be four and five year deals maximum going forward because the the right now at least the dollar figures change so drastically it makes zero sense to do anything longer than that the only oh, other thing about the ACC that is really intriguing to me is there's so many basketball schools in that conference too so yeah. where do they fit mm-hmm. in do they does like a duke do they look more attractive to the big 10 or the SEC because you would have maybe arguably the biggest basketball brand in the country I don't know. Do they even want to get into the football game? Do they think about stepping down a level in football competition because they could join a better basketball conference? I don't know. There's a lot to be seen and just really going to be fascinating to watch it all sort itself out. Well, if this thing is all driven by, you know, the TV stuff, which is what we're basically saying at this point, then if it's ESPN that holds the right to ACC, then it probably makes the most sense that a bunch of those schools are heading to the SEC because that's where that, ESPN contract is essentially it's not to say that none of them could go up to the big 10, but I think that probably paves the way for a little bit of in-house conversation over there at ESPN and, you know, having that conversation about, well, do we want to send a couple of these schools over maybe dish out a little extra cash and make up the difference. Right. I mean, I could see that being a possibility. I don't know that that's what they're going to do, but I think that's probably the easiest path right now to get that massive media deal out from under this whole thing. I think it's certainly a possibility. Um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, these conferences are going to try and pull any any string that they can to get their target schools to, to come over. So I think that's a good point. Uh, I, I may have may have misdirected us. I, I do have one more, and there's a thousand things that we could keep talking about. Um, <laughs> sure. What do we think, what do we think happens to the group of five conferences or, you know, the, the smaller quote unquote schools that aren't going to join, you know, these mega conferences like SMU is, is obviously being thrown around a lot locally here. You know, we talked about Oregon state wazoo. What do we think happens to those schools? Are we truly headed towards kind of another tier of football where only the super conferences will play 
you know, other teams in the super conferences and maybe there's a relegation system. Like where are we at with all that? It's going to be a 60 team Omega super duper conference. And it's just going to be the 60 best, you know, give me all the G five, do the whole thing. (laughs) Just yeah. Omega super duper conference. Yeah. That one. No, I just dot com. Um, (laughs) No, but like, I mean, seriously, you know, I think the best thing they can do right now is band together. Uh, If they're going to make super conferences in the power five, then let's make a big conference, right? Let's just make this really obscenely large conference. Let's put everyone together. And I mean, at that point, you could have an agreement to say, hey, we'll do kind of our own thing if you're not going to let us in the playoff, whatever the playoff structure looks like. Right. I think that could make a lot of sense for them to say, hey, Maybe they strike a deal with some of these bowl games and say, hey, you're out of teams. They don't want to play there anymore. Uh, here's the mega super duper conference that we can <laughs> fill up your bowl games with, you know, and and maybe that's what ends up happening is a lot of what college football used to be becomes, you know, sort of what the G5 is now. I think we're in an interesting situation in the G5, too, because we've talked about on this show, you guys talked about how Conference USA is basically on death row as well yeah and so that's seven teams right there that are going to need new home the leftovers from the acc you think they probably naturally fit into the american um maybe with some of the independents up there like yukon and umass um we have the mac still we have the Sun Belt. we have the mountain west who could take maybe the leftovers from the pac-12 i i think there's some intriguing football there and i think in a perfect world, I would hope that they would get thrown a bone and maybe the best team out of all of those conferences could get maybe a play-in game or an auto-bid situation in a 12-team playoff. A play-in game would be really exciting where maybe like the fourth-best SEC team is playing the champion of the American. I, again, I don't think that is ever actually going to happen, but in a perfect world, that's what I would hope for. But yeah, I mean... Is the situation really going to be that different for most of those schools than it is now? I I don't think so. Where they're they're competing for a bowl win, they're competing for a conference championship, but they're largely irrelevant to the national championship landscape. Just just a sad. I mean, I know we we know that to be true, but still, you know, kind of what you were talking about with college basketball and college baseball, like. There's always, I think, been a part of me that hoped that if we could somehow figure out a way to get to a place where, hey, out of nowhere, maybe there's a chance for that school. I mean, you know, you go back to 2007, 2006, 2007, 2008, you had teams out of nowhere competing at the top of the polls. And I know that was a different era with the BCS, and that's probably not going to happen now. But, you know, you had a program like Cincinnati who just systematically built themselves up did they ever have a chance to beat Bama? No, but it was still fun to see them, you know, battle all the way through their schedule to make it to become the first G five team into the playoff. Um, you know, I, I think that's part of what makes sports great is like the possibility of the upset, right? And not to say that there won't be upsets in whatever new form that college football takes, but you know, the USFs of the world, um, you know, are, are largely being thrown aside. And that, that sucks for, you know, those fans. I think I, I saw this, uh, gosh, a couple days ago, uh, you know, college football, the fandom may be in serious jeopardy because now the, the audience, the true audience of this sport is going to come down to 
you know, probably 10 to 12 schools that compete for a national title every year. And the rest of them, the most passionate of those fan bases, you know, they're going to be alienated. They're going to be excluded and kicked out of the cool kids club. And that's not fun because that's part of what makes college sports so awesome is the fan bases and the tradition and the belief that any year can be your year. And, you know, by chopping your your talent pool, um, you know, what would this be if, if I guess if you go to 60 teams by over a half, um, you know, that's going to leave a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah. And right. go ahead, Garrett. I was just going to say, I, I don't know that this ends up playing out as the future for college football, just as I'm sitting here kind of thinking about this. I don't know how that's sustainable to only have so many teams really care and so many fan bases really involved. I kind of have a feeling we're going to do this conversation again in 10 to 20 years where, hey, that didn't work. Uh, nobody's watching anymore. Revenue's down. And so how do we kind of get this thing back and, and sort of a you know, return to something similar to what we've known. I'm not saying that that's for sure to happen. Maybe what they figure out is going to be great. And maybe what they figure out is going to bring more people in. But I think as we're sitting here saying it, you know, some teams are going to have a lot more fun, but the vast majority of them are probably going to sort of fall off the wayside and not care too much anymore. And so if that's the case, that's not sustainable, right? If you have sort of 20, 30, 40 teams, however many it is that, play relevant football that's not going to bring in enough money for these tv companies that are running this thing right now to justify having the super conferences in the first place so i just i don't see how that's sustainable long term and i think we probably do this again in a little while well guys uh appreciate the the feedback the input i know we we spent a lot of time kind of figuring out what our thoughts were on this we've been talking all weekend uh just trying to wrap our heads around what this new reality is. And, you know, there's a lot of kind of sourness, I think, certainly on my side. I know we had talked about that on Friday, but potentially as Trey laid out, there might be a new hope. Uh, Shout out Star Wars fans. There might be a new hope, a new kind of vision (laughs) for how the sport will, you know, kind of thrive going forward. And all we can do as fans of the game is, is just hope that, you know, whatever new reality becomes uh you know our day in day out from a college football media perspective it's something that we can still enjoy and still wrap our heads around and you know kind of get the same get the same vibe from college sports that we have uh in the past um didn't didn't shout out uh, our, our social media but you guys have been killing it over there the interactions are going through the roof the follows are continuing oh, yeah. to grow as well head over to three tech pod on instagram and twitter uh, hit that follow button. We'll be doing a giveaway once we get to a hundred followers on both platforms. Um, and you know, thank you guys for, for listening, for continuing to grow the show. Um, a lot of things are happening behind the scenes because of your support. So we really, really do appreciate that. And, uh, guys, we are, our next episode will be our first preview. We have finally made it. Season previews are coming up next. Um, we get to savor, we get to savor a normal, college football season before it becomes a media war. And we are pumped about that. Let's make it count. So uh, anyway, uh, looking forward to that. Stay tuned. Uh, Go over, rate the show on Apple and on Spotify. Those are the two primary platforms that they're on. Leave a five-star review on Spotify. A bunch of you guys went and did that uh, after our last episode when I asked for it. So thank you guys so much. Again, that just continues to, to help us grow and get in front of new fans and as Trey is so so fond of saying, uh, 
Tell your friends. Share it with them. It's free ninety nine. Uh, no, costs absolutely nothing to uh, to give us a listen, give us a review, and uh, share it with other college football sickos like uh, the rest of us. For Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Until next time, so long, everybody. Peace.